G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. G'day everyone, welcome to Footyology TV, coming to you live from Southern FM in Brighton. I'm crook as a dog, but I'm soldiering on. I'm Rowan Connolly, by the way. Very good evening, Mark Fine. Good evening, Rowan. I reckon, given the nature of football, so many key games, gee, a football addict like you could have had the plague and you still would have watched footy this weekend. I feel like I've got the plague. Uh, I'll gladly kill myself right now. I'm sure a lot, a lot of other people are happy to do so. Good to see you've got a haircut uh, for this show as well as me. Yep, when did you yep. get yours? Oh, when, well, I think we got drafted on the same day. Oh, did we? Yeah, okay. <laughs> got to have a draft haircut. Um, well, massive round in terms of both the gains and the uh, ramifications for the ladder. So before we get into wraparound, let's have a quick zip through the ladder at the completion of round 19. Uh, we're going to cut to the chase here. Um, apologies to those of you who follow teams down beneath uh, 12th position, but we're talking top eight here. So let's get down to Tim Tax. So currently in top place on the ladder, the Tigers, 56 points, 137.8. West Coast missing a golden opportunity to perhaps lock away that second spot and a home final. They're on 52. Game clear of Collingwood and Port Adelaide, both on 48. GWS in fifth spot, but closing fast on 46 points. Four teams on 44 points. It's going to be a massive battle for those last two places in the eight. They are in order. Melbourne, Hawthorne, Geelong and Sydney. Melbourne and Geelong all within 7% of each other. Sydney, boy, it's going to be tough for the Swans given their run home, back on 109.9. And then a game further back, still a chance though, North Melbourne on 40 points, 110.6. Essendon, 40 points, 102.8. I'll get your thoughts, Finey, but just to kick us off on uh, the state of the ladder discussion, here's Sydney's run home. Collingwood at the SCG. Melbourne at the MCG. GWS at Spotless Stadium and Hawthorne at the SCG. I reckon they're gone. Look, last weekend they lost to Gold Coast at the SCG. Unless they're fixed to play the now defunct Waverley at the SCG or maybe Uppercombe Buck to West Thirds, they, how could you like them? I mean, no. they've lost... They've lost... Uh, Gold Coast hardly fragged that form. Five now. Yeah, but they are floundering. They we are. We, we are, you know... Finally, after all these years of incredibly brave football, we have now finally got the alarm bells sounding, the sirens flashing at the SCG. And to be honest, uh, I'm not saying an era is over, but there's no coming back this year for them. There is no coming back. Okay, we're scratching them. Yep. Uh, do you give Essendon a chance? Yeah, momentum. Look, they've won... Tough draw. The only games they've lost in their last nine... Have been against Richmond and Collingwood, I think. Yep. No, last 10. 8 out of 10. Um, pretty good. Yeah, pretty, but, yeah. But their form reads as well as any team in the comp. Interesting. Well, put it this way. If the Bombers get there, they will have earned it. Got Hawthorne next week. That's obviously a massive clash. St Kilda after that. And then really tough finish. Richmond and Port Adelaide in Adelaide. Yeah, that is hard. It is tough. The uh, Richmond game might be the killer blow. North Melbourne is the interesting one. That was just critical, that game today against West Coast. Uh, the Roos have Brisbane away next week. No, gimme. Um, then the Western Bulldogs. You think you give that as a win. Adelaide away. Might be favourite there now if the Crows are basically out of the hunt and then St Kilda in the last game. So there's, mm. um, I'd be giving them three at least of those last four. What a pity they don't have one of those games in Hobart. Uh, it's a bit of a fortress for them, isn't it? Yes, 15 right. out of 17, yeah, they're one in there now. Anyway, look, fascinating conclusion to the, uh, whatever you say about this season, Finey, we're going to end up with one of the closest races for the eight we've ever seen. 
And interestingly, we might also finish up with um, a side winning 13 games and missing out on the eight for the first time. Do we now declare Richmond the game and good percentage clear on top, a certainty for a home double chance final? Oh, must first yeah. No, absolutely. Yep. Well, they're, uh, yeah. They're, yeah, two games. Oh, hang on. What, how many clear in? Two, well, from two games clear. From the all important third, final. two games. In a They've final. got the home yep. final. Yep. Absolutely, no doubt. All right, let's go through the games one by one. Time now for the wraparound. And uh, apologies if the camera's shaking a bit. We have some technical issues on the camera front, but uh, bear with us. We'll do our best. Our hamsters are on the case. Uh, let's start with. In, uh, I guess, terms of potential grand final previews, um, the game of the season thus far, certainly in crowd terms, very close to it. 88,180 turning up to the MCG. For a cracker of a contest, uh, Richmond beating Collingwood by 28 points in the end. 16-9-105, defeating the Pies 12-5-77. Martin 3, Rewalt 3 for the Tigers. Thomas, four. Uh, good small forward he's turned into for the Pies. Hoskin Elliott, three. Uh, David Asbury, outstanding in defence. I thought Jaden Short will get to him, but he's a, a fantastic, uh, I guess, addition to what was already a premiership mix. Um, Shane Edwards, he creates so many goals. Shane Edwards, a fantastic player for them. And the Pies, no luck on the injury front once again, of course, losing Jeremy Howe. Um, really nasty Full brunt of Darcy Moore's knee to his head. Friendly, and, friendly fire. Oh, well, it was very of, unfriendly fire. Uh, of it? the most unfriendly type, wasn't it? Was. It was. And Sharonberg, um, disaster for him. And uh, our thoughts with him, of course, looks like a third knee Rico for him. Yeah. Um, interesting game, and I thought the Pies came out of it with plenty of credibility. However, uh, ultimately, the result was pretty similar to their round six meeting. And they had injuries that day, too, actually. But when it came to the crunch, Richmond just had um, all guns blazing. It's interesting. You can look at the game from both perspectives, Richmond and Collingwood, and find positives or negatives, depending, I guess, what your role at the club is or what sort of fan you are. Because Collingwood did certainly lose players during the game, and that is extenuating circumstances that makes their effort extremely noble. But they were 11 goals won at one stage when they were still in the game. How often does that happen? Mm. You can't get better games out of Grundy, Penderbury, and probably Sidebottom. I mean, you know, that they can't... They absolutely went a million... You know, they were brilliant, Grundy and Pendlebury. So you will get no more out of them. Do you think that... So how do you view the game? Do you view it as one that... Richmond would say they've fired their best shot, or would you view it as one where Collingwood is saying we finished undermanned, we've got better shots to fire? Um, a bit of both, but uh, I think we were saying that about the Pies in round six too, and that was a game that Richmond won by more than 40 points. Um, I think Collingwood's narrowed the gap a bit since then. However, the gap in ultimately was still the best of five goals, and I think Richmond can play a fair bit better as well. Like yeah. People might focus yes. on Collingwood, but that's on the assumption Richmond was at its peak. I don't think they were. Just, But in-game, they lost players. Which... Keep going. I've just got to put this in, chair up. In-game, in they lost players, which is very much... A, 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 you know, it's an impediment that is unusual. Yeah. Seems to happen to them a lot. It does. The bad news for them today, compounding their problems, is the news Jamie Elliott in the VFL did his hamstring with a minute to go in the game, Yeah, apparently, and that's his season done and dusted. Yeah. Uh, certainly until the finals at the very best. Um, now, Collingwood, no matter what, Collingwood will be very relevant next season. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. When they shore up the numbers. Yeah, no, it's taken them a while, but they got there. Incidentally, very remiss of me not to say off the top, we want your questions, your comments, so fire away on the Facebook feed there. Our first one tonight, uh, we're going to read out from George Farrar. Jack Higgins' goal was goal of the century. Thoughts? Uh, no. Uh, only reason that um, I think uh, there's been more... Uh, I'm big on context, and I think there's been a lot more important goals. In fact, you know what I reckon was the goal of the century? Um, still, even better than Phil Manassa in the 77 Grand Final replay. Which one? 
Travis Varco, 2011 Grand Final. Yeah. Three efforts, spanned every area of the ground. Absolute yeah, cracker. Yeah, fantastic. But look, uh, don't get me wrong, um, Higgins, unbelievable bit of inventiveness, and uh, I've got a little bit more to say about that later on. So thanks for that, George. Fire in the questions, everyone. So just on Higgins' goal, of course, it was controversial, and was it a goal? Was it a throw? Was it a piece of genius? It was very quick thinking. But you know what? Just like the young generation today are so natural on their handheld devices and what we might find daunting, they find de rigueur. I reckon any kid that plays cricket today and has ever fielded on the boundary knows how to do that. It looked very much like one of those boundary catches in 2020. Yeah, it was. And, and you know, if Jack plays cricket or school cricket, that yeah. becomes a natural action. It reminded me of, uh, you might remember this, you might be the only person who remembers this, Bernie Quinlan, when he was playing for Footscray one day at the Western Oval, took a mark around the goalpost. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Um, um, it was black and white. That's how long ago it was. I wonder if KB was commentating the game, because one of his favourite expressions, which I find really relevant, dancing on a Dollar. dollar. A oh. dollar or a dime. He really looked like he was dancing yeah, yeah. on a dollar. All right, let's move on. Yep. Uh, another really important game for both sides, and uh, one decided pretty emphatically in the end. Back to Friday night at Etihad Stadium. Essendon, 15, 19, 119, 49.9, 43-point winners over the Swans, 10-6, 66. It was emphatic, Finey, I must say, with my... Um, Bomber hat on. I was yep. a little worried about conversion, the fact that the Swans were kicking him from everywhere, but ultimately weight of possession and certainly weight of inside 50s told the tale. 72 inside 50s to the Bombers. Now, the Swans tend to play that way. They soak up a lot of pressure and rebound from half back and create their attacks that way. I think that's become an unsustainable way of playing footy, and I think the uh, bigger concern is their attack now looks really one-dimensional. It's buddy or bust. Yeah, and Ron occasionally, gee, he knows how to kick a goal. Yeah. How about that goal he kicked where he just had enough distance in his leg, but they really don't have a forward line otherwise. No. It, and it is buddy or bust, and at the moment it is bust. I'll talk about Hurley later. Um, well, I think they're starting to really feel now the absence of um, Sam Naismith at the start of the yeah, year. Yeah, Twofold because Sinclair's been great for him in the ruck, but he's someone who can creep forward and kick a goal. And without Naismith there, he's been able to do that a lot less. I reckon they're gone. You heard uh, us read the draw out at the start, at the top of the show. Yep. I don't think they can come back from there, which means it'll be only the second time in 16 years they've missed out in the eight. What if an interesting contest Bell Chambers and Sinclair was because on a couple of occasions, Sinclair just was too quick for him. He just waltzed past him and made Bell Chambers look. Second rate. But actually, in the contest, Bell Chambers won. In the hustle and bustle of rucking and contesting for marks, Bell Chambers was excellent. There were just a couple of times where Sinclair put the afterburners on. Well, let's talk about the Bombers. Uh, A, whether they can make it. B, how far they can go if they do. Yep. Um, I've got to say, the last month or so, what's really impressed me about them is their resilience. Like the, oh, yeah. even the Gold Coast and Fremantle games, they weren't playing that well, but yep. were able to turn it around. And I think this game, less so, they were playing well, but they weren't getting bang for their buck. And I think they were able to change tack. Uh, you know, they, they kept bombing it in there and a layer, a layer, yep. kept taking the intercept marks. They went a lot shorter inside 50 in the second half, found targets like Merritt, Stringer, Fantasia, and it paid off for them. Can we just mention a layer, a layer? We can. Because there's been a bit of a misconception about this player. A lot of people have said, you know, he was out of favour at the start of the season, took a while to get back in the team. It's two seasons mm. that he's been out of favour for. And Sydney have been either intentionally vague about the reasons or there have been a raft of reasons because it has been, at various times, injury, attitude, form... This is one thing that I want to make very clear. The Alira Lear that finished in 2016 was very similar to the star now that everybody's fating. Yeah, it was he bit... has not arrived now. Yeah, he was brilliant at the end yeah. of 2016. No, there's a bit of a disciplinary issue from memory. But yep. back to what I was asking yep. about the bombers. Well, I think the bombers they might they might get drawn. I think they can make the eight. It would be an enormous achievement. As you said, their run home's tough. But then they might face an interstate final first up. It, 
they won't be favourably positioned. They'll be in the bottom seventh or eighth position, which gives them no favours, no double chance and no home ground rights, unless, of course, they're playing a fellow Victorian team. No, yeah. I think they're going to end up paying for winning two of their first eight games. Yep. I guess the best they can hope for is that they can really convert this into something more long-lasting next year. Um, I think you've got to put your phone on silent. Oh, I don't uh, have my phone on. Uh, someone's got to f- put their <laughs> phone on silent. Andrew Philpot says, do you reckon the Bombers should all give Jones a whack before the game when they play the Swans next? Would only cost them 30 grand. Could be money well spent. I wouldn't be risking it, Andrew. Oh, look, I mean, to be fair, the, the Jones thing, it, I've seen a lot worse acts on a footy field than that. I mean, it, it was ordinary, but I don't think it was necessarily that calculated. And... Um, I think he got two, didn't he? The, yep. Two, for me, was about right. No worse, in fact, to me... I thought he was lucky uh, to only get a fine for the Merrill one. Yeah, to I me, thought he might have got three. To, Sorry. Me, to me, the act I didn't like was Devon Smith. <clears throat> oh, the trip. Yeah, it was more than a trip. Yeah, well, he was lucky to get a fine for it. Yeah, yeah no, I agree on that. I agree on that. Why would you do that? You know, oh, it was silly. Moment I think of madness. A, I think... I think he probably played his only bad half of the year. He played well in the second half. Mm. Maybe a bit of frustration. Yeah. I still think he ended up in their best um, no, players like on the night. No, it was very good second half. But. All right, let's move on. Uh, another critical game, Saturday night in Adelaide. Crows, last chance saloon, really, for the Crows. I guess they all are now. And uh, they came out without a drink. Um, big win for the Demons. Uh, really got it together. Uh, Crows came late, but I never felt they were quite going to get there. Big third quarter for the Demons, 7-4 in that third quarter to 1-2. And really, ultimately, it was the weight of possession uh, telling, I think. Um, so final scores, 13-12-90, defeating the Crows, 10-17-77. Uh, we gave you the ladder before. I think the Crows are gone in finals terms. They've got Gold Coast next week. Oh, sorry, that's Melbourne. The Crows have the showdown next week. Yeah, won't start favouring that. GWS away, won't start favouring that. North Melbourne, 50-50, and Carlton, which they'll win. They're going to finish a couple of games outside the eight, I would have thought. Disappointing, given they were a grand finalist. I think we have a B-itch situation. Adelaide is Melbourne's. And Melbourne, a team that has so, over the last decade, been others. You know, North Melbourne owned them, St Kilda. There were a number of teams that they hadn't beaten almost for a decade. Yeah. They really have something over Adelaide here, there, everywhere. They own them. Yeah, it was two years in a row they've beaten them in Adelaide, certainly. Yeah. And I wrote down the stats from a third quarter, actually, because it was yeah one two to seven four. Gee, when they play like that, Melbourne, they're a really impressive footy team. Yeah. Um, they won the clearances by eleven in that quarter. That's a massive amount for one quarter. Stoppages were three twelve in that quarter. Inside fifties eighteen to seven. Contested ball, they won by ten. And uh, hit-outs, Max Gorn, of course, in the ruck, um, smashed the hit-outs by 10. So uh, they, they dominated the play and they actually made it count on the scoreboard. Uh, their run, just quickly, Gold Coast next week, Sydney at the MCG, West Coast in Perth and GWS. So it's a tough finish for them, but um, I've got them hanging on. Isn't it funny they don't play a Victorian team in the next month? True. Yeah, Do you in- think they'll hang on? Oh, very much so. Okay. I think they could press for higher honours. Port Adelaide remain a susceptible top four team. Um, do we think that uh, Adelaide... Oh, how are people going to react when Adelaide don't make the finals? Is it going to be they they just Cruel had no luck on the injury front? or But is that a bit of a crutch? Is it actually more than that? Uh, and it is true for a momentum team like that. You know, they, these teams really out of Adelaide and Perth... To me, are momentum sides with, you know, public adoration, and it's difficult to be poor there. You know that the media's onto your case, and there's every question under the sun is asked. But if things are going well, you think you're invincible. To be honest, with their full team at the start of the year, they probably would have got the juggernaut going. Well, I tipped them to win the flag, so, so it doesn't look good for me. What I'm saying is this. It, it, it is a crutch. It's been a bad season, but that will not stop them being very dangerous from round one of next year. No, I agree. I agree. Which means we're going to end up... All these sides that are sort of uh, going to miss out this year but look good for next year, we're going to end up with 14 teams that should be in the top eight again. Uh, Demons, can they do some damage in September? 
They have to be respected because Richmond are the team to beat. Melbourne's great strength is Max Gorn. Richmond's ruck situation is a competitive one rather than a winning one. And we've seen in the last two weeks what Gorn can actually do off off his palm. It's more than just numbers. It's really <coughs> the start of goals. Yeah. In that third quarter, twice in the premiership quarter, he's taken control of the game. So I would say they are a danger. Okay. Uh, tissues are over there, David, by the way. Uh, our, Sam, our, Sam, our sound man also inflicted uh, <laughs> with the lurgy at the moment. Because uh, he lives in the same house as you. Yeah, well, he gave it to me. Okay. Uh, Craig Williams says, Adelaide will we'll rebound strongly next season. We'll make top eight easily. Well, on talent, they should. Yeah. You'd think that's a bit of a no-brainer. But we now know that there's a fragility there, that if things don't go their way maybe early in the season, that they can't hang tough, or they haven't this year. Yeah, well, even last year when they lost, they tended to lose badly, didn't they? You know, they got blown away by North in Hobart. Ten goals to uh, they got blown away the by quarter. the Demons, yes. and they got blown away in Grand Final Day, yep. of course. All right, let's move on. Um, Saturday afternoon down at GMHBA Stadium, the Cats, fairly routine win over Brisbane in the end. Uh, Lions were within, I think the Lions might have even been in front or, or very close just before halftime. They were. Cats got a couple of late ones. In the end, 42-point uh, winners, 18-12-120. Defeat of Alliance, 11-12-78. Tom Hawkins must be just about the most informed player in the competition at the moment. Another seven to him. That's 14 in two weeks. Do you know he's only kicked seven goals three times yep, in his career? I know, because I looked it up last week. Yeah. Uh, three each to Henry, who's been swung forward with a bit of effect, and Menzel. Yep. Uh, for the Lions, two to McStay, singles to the rest. Beam, Zorko, McStay um, sort of held the, kept the fires burning for the Lions, but an efficient enough win by the Cats, and uh, I think one they needed. Yeah, you know, that, that match, not ready, soft-looking, underprepared Menzel that came under criticism three weeks ago. From you. Yeah, and from anybody who watched the game, mm. uh, has quickly returned to Menzel of old. And that is not necessarily the toughest player or the four-quarter player, but the most dangerous player and sometimes the most beautiful. Uh, now, let's talk about where they're at. So yep. they're, uh, they're eighth, yep. only in on percentage, but a significant amount of percentage. It's about 10.5% yep. to the Swans um, and a game, 10% uh, and a game at least from the other two. They run home. They've got a uh, massive one next week, of course, Richmond. And they don't go well against Richmond right now. Uh, Hawthorne, struggle with the Hawks of late. Fremantle and Gold Coast. Yep. So they're going to come home with a wet sail. I think they'll do enough to stay in there. They paid a big price for the win against Brisbane. Tom Stewart's a very important yes. backman. No, good point. And Lockie Henderson was good in his return with no Harry Taylor. Sort of their their structure in the back line. Maybe Tui has to go back to the back line. Yeah, he's been playing forward or centre with yep. some effect. So a, a price was paid. All right, let's and move. Parfit was very good. Let's move there. on. Uh, Twilight at Spotless Stadium, GWS, thirteen eight eighty six defeated your Saints. Finally eight thirteen sixty one. Four goals to Himmelberg. Impressive. Like him. Uh, two each to Daniels, Langdon, Lobb, and Green. And two each for the Saints, Gresham, Loney and Membry. Um, Got to be honest, this game had me literally falling asleep. Not me. I watched it in full, of course. And I've said it before, I've said it again. Himmelberg, oh, the humanity. Have a look at the score here, 13-8 to 8-13. You might remember that these two teams drew early on in the year. And that score was indicative of a game that was split, except in front of goal. St Kilda broke a record. Do you know what the record that was? Most points in a season? Most, the biggest discrepancy for inside 50s at half time not to be leading. 40 to 18 and St Kilda trailed at half time. Actually, well, I felt Sydney Eston was a bit like that on Friday night, actually. Yeah. But 40 18. St Kilda were all over them like a cheap suit, but like a cheap suit, there's not a lot of class, and in the end, it fell apart. The, the problem with St Kilda is that they all the, all the effort they put in to 
getting those inside 50 advantages and clearances, which they do against a lot of teams, is not only tiring, it's disheartening for players. Mm. It really is. All right, quick one from Shane White. RGWS coming. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they are. Cameron, I, Cameron's back next week. I, yeah, look, they've done, they've done well in his absence, it's fair to yeah. say. They're definitely playing better, and I think they're... Their best players are coming into form. They've got Dewedio back now, and he yep. can play an important part. I still, I don't know what it is. I, I still don't think that they're quite at the level of a, certainly not a Richmond, but even West Coast, it would depend where they played them. And if they play Collingwood here, I'd back Collingwood every time. I just, I, I don't know. I need to see a bit more to convince me they're flag worthy, I think. They've got too many players, and they've had, for all their time in football, who are brilliant on the ball, with the ball, being the stars they were when they got drafted one, two or three. But these players are not good role players when others have the ball. You know, they're not they're not selfless enough, a lot of their players. They're brilliant but not selfless and nature of how they were created. I just want to say one thing about St Kilda and that is St Kilda get criticised always or often for not having an A grader. They do have an A grader. They have one A grader in the team. Unfortunately, he doesn't play in a position that drives wins, but they do have a top-line footballer, and that is Jake Carlisle. My goodness, he's a good footballer. What about Jack Stephen? Well, he's a, he's a very good footballer without thought, being a star. I'd have Jack Stephen ahead of Jake Carlisle. Not in a pink fit, my friend. Oh, okay. oh, oh, goodness me. Then there's not any St Kilda supporter who would... You don't think any St Kilda supporter wouldn't take uh, Stephen ahead of Jake Carlisle? Look, they're different, very different players. Well, Saints fans, if you're watching, get, tell us what you think. We'll do a straw poll. Would you rather have Jack Stephen or Jake Carlisle? Well, look, they're di- completely different players. But yeah. what, I'm, what I'm saying is Jack Stephen is... Yeah, structurally. In the, wo- in the world of midfielders, he's very good, but he's not at the top echelon. No, but there's a lot more midfielders than key position players. Of course, but in the world of key position defenders, mm. Jake Carlisle yeah. is... Upper echelon. Yeah, Only McGovern at centre half back is better than him. And and you did you see him last night? Carlisle was un. Jeez, he's good. Undeceived, but may I say often. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, we'll keep getting. You, up. you don't like him because I think he used to play for Essendon. He did, and he put in a really ordinary final season where he basically spat the dummy. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to uh, where are we up to? Game six and. Triumph for the Blues, and let's have them uh, let them bask in the glory of their second win of the season. And they were great when they needed to be. 12-7-79, defeat of the Suns, 5-14-44. Bloody ordinary effort by the Suns after their arguably the best win in their uh, hardly storied history. But the Blues, fantastic third quarter, 7-2-1-2 in that third quarter. They were dynamic. They looked like um, the embryonic stages of what could be a really good team. Really good signs from uh, Paddy Dow. Thought really yes, impressive. Yeah, I, agree. I agree. And uh, who else do we like there? Cripps was Cripps. Murphy played really well. Petrevsky seaton might be his best game for some time. Which is really disappointing, isn't it? Honestly. That for him to come to the party when they're playing a team that spat the dummy. Well, I think it's pretty... I, I think we underestimate uh, how hard it can be for young players to maintain their development in a side that's getting smashed everywhere. That's, tr- that's true. Look, I just want to comment on Jacob Wiedering. It's not his fault he got picked at number one, and he doesn't stand out as a footballer, but he stood out for some courage on Saturday night. Stephen May, he was like a, a, an elephant who got out of the circus and wanted to kill all the, his handlers. Early in the game, Charlie Kurnow did get him with sort of a forearm late to the mush. Mm-hmm. And May decided to take matters into his own hands for the rest of the game. First of all on Kerno down back, where he threw him to the ground a few times. And then he went forward, May, and he was dangerous. And it wasn't illegal what he did to Wiedering, but Wiedering's courage in going back with the flight of the ball was immense. He was good. Uh, all right, let's move on. And down in Hobart today, massive stakes for the Roos. Um, not so massive for West Coast, but... Uh, actually, maybe it was, because they could have just about locked away second spot. Up against it once Kennedy withdrew and once Luke Shuey withdrew, I think um, might uh, might have had a impending birth of a child. Yeah. So uh, arguably you know, two of their three or four best players uh, missing from the equation. And look, to be honest, uh, I was quite surprised that they were still within 
striking distance at three-quarter time because in terms of the balance of play, they were getting absolutely flogged. In fact, you go and I'll dig up the stats that I wrote down while I was watching. You know what? That was a disgusting performance by West Coast. No, it wasn't. Disgusting. No, it wasn't. Oh, yes, it was. They no. gave up before they got on the plane, mate. Look, there are some games that are hard. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. No, they didn't. I think they did. Well, why, were, why was the difference uh, three points at half-time? Because North Melbourne are sorely out of form, and even though they were, you know, dominating the game, yep. West Coast were hanging in there. So they had an opportunity. The scoreboard flattered them. Yeah, it did. I so, agree with that. So they can come out after half-time and actually get a win against a team like North who were starting to peter out. You know, that they, they, they had issues. Yeah. But they just... Look, Darling barely raised a, a, a sweat. Honestly, he was like the Darling that had been criticised last season. Yeah. Um, their midfield, that's been so hard-working and full of merit, there was no nothing to recommend them whatsoever. Is that disgusting, though? I'm just asking if maybe yeah, you is. want to reconsider that adjective. No, no. All right. They've lost by 40 points. Putrid. Because they they mentally checked out before they ever got there. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a bit harsh. I, I, I really? Think, yeah, I do. I, don't, I mean, if they... Checking out before they got there is doing like what Fremantle have done coming here and getting walloped by 80 points. They've lost by 40 points. So within four goals midway through the last quarter, and they were without two of their best players. I, was just, I, I might be a bit sensitive about this one because, and I, I, I know we've got to wind it up, but after the Richmond-Collingwood game, I read one report, I think it was in the Herald Sun, saying, oh, can we please have a Richmond-Collingwood grand final? If I was a West Coast supporter right now, I would be that pissed off. West Coast beat Collingwood at the MCG, what, three weeks ago? Mm. Um, they're second on the ladder. I, I really don't think that they're getting... Sufficient respect. Well, hang on. North Melbourne were after a really. Who's a better bright... chance of beating Richmond, West Coast or Collingwood? Probably, uh, with what they've got left in on their list, West Coast. But that's what makes this such a disappointing effort because North Melbourne were sort of, you know, it was ever diminishing circles. Their last two weeks had shown that a brave run was coming a bit to an end. Ben Brown's still out of form. Not really clunking marks. Um, you know, I, I just feel as though they're, you know, a trip to Blundstone where they're such a good team. And like some teams mentally check out or used to mentally check out playing Geelong at Geelong, I just had a feeling West Coast, all right, Josh, we're not going to take you. Yeah, yeah, no, Luke, no, I know if you're having a baby, from... it's I just, too far. I just think disgusting's the... a bit strong. Well, you know what? And yeah, there's not many players that wouldn't want to be there at the birth of their child. I don't think the child was born today, to be honest. Um, look, one other thing about the game. Quick. Remember we spoke about Magic Door earlier in the year? Yep. It's true. He's a champion. I'm sorry. He's not a champion. Very, he's playing champion football. He is. He's playing champion no, football. He's, he's not a champion. He's playing really good footy. Oh, no, he's playing better than good footy. All right. Hang on. Who's marking the ball like you? No, no. He's, well, he's... Did you see the first minute of the game? I don't know. I think you've taken some hyperbole tablets tonight. No, I don't. Did you see the first minute of the game? I saw every minute of the game. Did you see the tackle he laid? It in was first... He's a great tackler. We, viewer interaction, fine. He's Come a on, we've got to star. make time for At this. At the moment, he's a star. John Funlovin' Hines. I love that name, John. Says, should the Kangaroos play all the home game, their home games at Blundstone Arena? No, because then they wouldn't be North Melbourne. They'd be Hobart. Correct. Okay. That's right. All right. Uh, let's move on. Um, game eight, and uh, it was on Mars. Well, might as well have been on Mars because it was very, very unfriendly in hospital. I told you not to lean and block the screen. We put a lot of money into this setup, Finey. I did it for Bulldogs fans. Okay, well, yeah, good, good. Um, very, very difficult conditions up at Ballarat today. It's probably about the last place in Victoria you'd want to be playing a footy match today, I'd yeah. suggest. But uh, credit where it's due, I think Port... Copped a bit of flack over the last couple of weeks for uh, not being as good as they could be. I thought, I have spoken a few weeks ago about the more resilient Port Adelaide. I thought today was a good demonstration of that. And I'll say this too, because it flashed into my mind while the game was on. Charlie Dixon, he should play all his games in Ballarat. He was really good for him last year. And uh, fantastic today as a spear. Really tough conditions for a marking forward. He was, he was a tower of strength up there and finished up with five goals. Final scores, 11-12-78. Defeated a very disappointing Bulldogs, 5-4-34. Power into fourth spot as a result uh, by two points from GWS. 
Here's the powers run home again, Finey. Showdown next week. Obviously, critical game. West Coast. I think that one might be away. Uh, Collingwood away and Essendon at home. Tough run for them. Yes, it is. Even though Adelaide are uh, are faltering, you know, they're they're almost done. A showdown, you know, they'll be up for it. So they've got four tough games. Answer this one. Good question, too, from Martin McMahon. I feel as a Tigers supporter, the biggest threat looming is Port Adelaide, with Ryder and Dixon up and running, supported nicely by Robbie Gray, Wingard, and West off. They have a potent front half. Thoughts? Yeah, if they got to the MCG on grand final day, I think that's a very fair comment. They just, I don't think they can get there. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree with that. I, I think they've got great flexibility. I've banged on about this all year. It's one of the reasons I was really bullish about them, I think. Uh, no other side's got two players as high class as either midfielders or small forwards as Wingard and Gray. Yep. Uh, Westhoff is incredibly versatile. I like Dixon. I think once Dixon gets his confidence up, he's a really effective um, key forward. Ryder in the ruck is important. Their defence is terrific. Really, really underrated defence. And I think their midfield's pretty solid. How about their captain, Claude Rains? No, explain. The Invisible Man. You know, sometimes Travis Boak is... Is Claude Rains the Invisible Man? Yeah. Okay. He's had some good games this year. Sometimes I just can't believe he's playing. Yeah, but there's less dependence. Yeah, no, fair enough. But, I mean, there's less dependence on him now, which is a good sign, isn't it? And Tom Jonas came back today. He's a very good defender, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He was in All-Australian contention before he got injured. He's very good. So that's a big plus for them. Yeah. Another one quickly from Ian Backen. Port of one in China and on Mars. What a team. Good call. Yep. Good call. Uh, and Sydney can't win at the SCG. <laughs> I, was privy, I was privy to the Chinos win. All right. And round 19 wrapped up in Perth with a shellacking. Uh, Hawthorne, 17-10, Smacked Fremantle, 7-11-53. Uh, it was only two goals of difference at quarter time. But you know what? I reckon at quarter time... I was going 10-goal win to Hawthorne here. You know what? Or two things. Hawthorne will make the eight. Uh, Here's their run. Essendon this week, obviously huge. Geelong, I think they're good enough to win that. St Kilda and Sydney at the SCG, which they might start favouriting if the Swans are already out of contention. But they were really good today, the Hawks. And at their best, I think they can trouble just about anyone, even Richmond. We have just received... Look, at the, just on Hawthorne... Uh, you're right. With the, when the ball's in the right hands, they're magnificent because they've got some really class operators. And Sean Burgoyne back in the team, wow. But I want to take up Joy Hooker's uh, excellent communique. Her... I know Joy. She's a keen Hawthorne fan. Hawthorne. Well, I'm going to say, you stole my thunder. Thor ain't happy, but look. Read it out. Why doesn't anyone ever challenge Lions coaching seems to be immune from criticisms but Frio going nowhere they're going worse than nowhere Joy. look it is a really fair time to bring it up because they had Lockie Neal Ed Langdon <coughs> and David Mundy run around and get a lot of good ball mm. otherwise they have got these young players some of them are klutzy and, and whatever and then next week they're okay and they're good and it's been like two and a half years of three de- years yeah, I think he said halfway through 2016 yeah. when his hand was forced. But anyhow, it's a third season of developing players and the names just keep coming from nowhere yeah. and going nowhere. Yeah, and then going. Yeah. Some have already left. Yeah, I'm um, saying. Some... Uh, Balich. Oh, yeah, some don't exist as football. Was Apis playing? What happened to him? <coughs> There's a whole change of ruck. You know, they've gone for large, no, no, I agree. They've gone for large older Ruckman. I'll, I'll say this. I think the tide is turning on that one, Joy, because um, shortly before we started tonight, actually, I heard Paul Hazelby mm-hmm. on AFL Nation, and he was of the view that they should pay Lyon out and get someone else because he's not, not the man who's going to take him into a new generation of um, good performances. And he must be frustrated because he did something which I've never seen him do. He admonished a young player on the bench tonight in the last quarter. Mm. He was really angry with this player, and that's not like him. But we agree, don't we? And I think a lot more people are starting to. You, you can't see what they're trying to do. No, not I, at all. Either during the course of a game or in the longer term. They kept chopping and changing. I mean, last week they had a, a late change and they brought in Michael Johnson. Yeah, what was the point of that? And then they rested him this week. And, and um, McCarthy, 
No, the forward line's an absolute disaster. McCar- McCarthy's been everything from fated to dropped yeah. to hated yeah. to loved. Yeah, well, what, Shane, what's he doing well, with well, it? And Shane Kirsten didn't work yeah, out. Yeah, you and, no, you and I strange. could be playing in their forward line. Quick one from Jason Crawford. The Hawks have beaten some top eight sides this season, but have dropped some games they should win. How far into finals could they go? Should they make it semi-final or pass mark? Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think I, I think they're quite capable of winning at least a final. I really do. Remember, they're, they're now without arguably their second or close to their best player in Sicily. Yeah. Yet they adjust and survive. He's coming back though, isn't he? They'll get him well, back. Oh, you know, he's six weeks, which means they have to make maybe the second week of the finals almost. All right, that is all nine games reviewed for round 19. Time to move on with Hot or Not. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Made my nose run. What were you playing then? That was a different oh, was, instrument. Yeah, yeah, I was sort of, you know, sort of tricking it up a bit. You Not know. the vibraphone. The thing no, with no, the you know sometimes they drag the neck yeah. up and... What's that thing with the bottle tops? Is that a vibe? The bottle tops. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the vibraphone. Uh, I don't know. That was sort of like grade two music lessons. Oh, geez, I feel like crap. Um, all right, I'm going to kick us off with a hot. His name is Jaden Short, and he plays for the Richmond Football Club, Finey. And he's going to be a star. He is so composed and... Okay, you've made a couple of big calls. Here's my big call. Yep. This guy is the best kick in the AFL. Well, he's... Yeah, I'm you not, know what I love about it. I'm not going to argue. It, well, you know what I love about it. He's not. He's quite a slight build. You yeah. know, he's not bulging with muscles everywhere. Yeah. It's all just beautiful timing, and he just smacks it out of sight. And of course, epitomised by two goals within the space of about three minutes, I think, um, in the Saturday afternoon game at the end of the first quarter. Can't believe Collingwood didn't learn from the first one and block his run to the handball receive for the second one. But it's not just the, the long kicking. He's, I think he reads the game really well. And their defence is already really good, but he's just added an extra bit of class about it. I, I love this bloke. He's played every game this year. Um, I think I wrote down his averages of his average disposals have gone from 15 up to 20. And he's actually played a lot more footy than I thought. How many games do you reckon he would have played? 45. Was his 50th uh, on Saturday. I would have thought 30. Yeah. So um, he's he's coming fast, and he, he is a real talent, Jaden Short. Like watching him play. Good skills, reads the game well. He is hot. And he is symptomatic of a club in, in, the, in the finest condition a football club can be in. He missed out on the grand final last year, so he would have been challenged by the coach. Yeah. No guarantees, mm. and he's gone away and become an elite footballer. Yeah. Not just on his own, with the help of his team and teammates, because it's great playing in that side. Somehow, you know, th- this team that was languishing a bit or going, you know, treading water, found magic. And unlike the Bulldogs, where a lot of changes seem to put players off, they've stuck with their premiership team, given an opportunity to a couple of new players who have become... It's almost unthinkable how good their additions have been who were on the list last year and couldn't make it. Your go. Uh, my hot is thankfully one that you didn't nominate because I thought you would have, the old mucker. Yeah. Look, at the start of the year, Michael Hurley uh, came under criticism from both of us at times for being asleep at the wheel in terms of you know, sort of derelict in his duty, first as a stopping defender. Sorry, I'm just I'm dying no, that's here. That's okay. I'm dying. Keep going. So as a defender <clears throat> in the start of the year, whatever he was doing was first and foremost not beating his opponent in one-on-ones. And then there was some bad kicking, etc., etc. He's still quite creative at the start of the year, but one-on-one he was a worry. Well, you know what? What do they say? Form is temporary, class is permanent. Yeah. And he is a very classy footballer. He was great. On, the, on Friday night. He was fantastic. And there was a pivotal moment uh, pretty early in the game where he marked the ball and he had to make a decision, do I go back or do I take him on? And he took Buddy on it and, and yep. did it well. And he could just see the confidence go like that. For me, I mean, it's just about finding the right balance of knowing when to defend and when to attack. And yep. I think he's found it. Well, Buddy's great goal of the night came after a controversial non-free. And thumbs up to Eddie Maguire, who said of the... Um, infringement on Hurley 
Well, except that he tripped him, pushed him in the back, and then elbowed him to the back of the head. He, he did nothing wrong. Yeah. No, there, thought, there were three free kicks in there. I thought it was probably a free. Uh, speaking of which, you mentioned, buddy, of the Swans. They have to be my not hot for this week. They've lost four of their last five now. They conceded 72 inside 50s. Really good teams don't give up that much. Um, held to 72 points or less in all those four defeats over the last five weeks. I think they're starting to look really one-dimensional, very buddy-centric. Um, Papley being played more through midfield, but he's not giving them the sort of drive and spark that he was. Um, I think their depth, lack of depth has probably been exposed a bit. Um, and actually, uh, caller on uh, the wash-up on AFL Nation on Friday night made a good point. Hanabry and Jack both out of the mix, but they weren't playing well either. Hmm. But the, I, I would have thought they would have become less dependent on those guys as a group with the emergence and development of Heaney. Of... Okay, so Mills, a huge loss. Yeah, Mills, They've a massive They've tried loss. five people to replace him and they yeah. can't, you know, whether it's Harry Marsh, O'Reardon's just, you know, a, an Irishman starting out. I don't want to be harsh on him. Yeah. Nick Newman, um, Harry Cunningham, it's not Callum Mills, who is a very hard nut and a classy footballer. Uh, good question from Gary Watts. We'll get to it after Hot or Not, but uh, just put that one on file, Andy, and we'll get back to that one. Yep. Um, that thing about conceding the inside 50s, so I'm, <clears throat> I'm not sure the way they play footy is a 2018-style way of playing footy, and yep. I think Essendon discovered that earlier in the year when Essendon was trying to mm-hmm. generate all its attacks off half-back. I yep. don't think you can do it. They, have conce- um, they are uh, 15th for conceding inside 50s. The only three sides that have conceded more are the bottom three sides on the ladder. And the Swans, until Friday night, were a top four side. I think they're starting to pay the penalty now. I think they will miss the eight. Not the end of the world, you know. We know what a resilient and strong club they are. But I think they're just about done and dusted for this year. Okay, Uh, We've got a knot from Simon Fazio. I have a knot for you. Collingwood's medical room or their strength and conditioning staff. Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty hard to know, isn't it, how often it's luck and how often it's management. Yeah, I mean... I'm... We've had, we've had this asked about Richmond, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, Rewalt, Cochin, yeah. uh, Rance, Martin, just never missed okay. games. they've got sound bodies. Yeah. Sharon Berg did, did, did a knee, but he's done two knees. Yeah. These are facts. Three. No, I'm saying three. before the one yeah, he yeah, did, yeah. so... Yeah, You know, there are... There are... Um, you've got to look at your list and ask, do we have players on this list? Jamie Elliott is unfortunately a hugely talented footballer with a body that doesn't support his football. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure Collingwood have changed their conditioning uh, fitness teams a couple of times, yep. I think, over the last five years or so. Anyway, do go on. All right, my knot is, uh, I don't, you know, being a former umpire, I, I'm loath to do this, and I don't want to attack the umpires per se, but I really think that there is a miss in the machine here because... There is something that's been building up and going on throughout the season, and it really reached a crescendo on the weekend, and it means that the umpires are being very poorly coached and instructed. And that is, in the game of AFL football, it's not the amount of time you have the ball in your hands that determines a mark, it's whether you bring that ball to a dead stop and control it in your hands. And we saw three or four marks on the weekend not paid that were... Outrageous. Rory Lobb took a mark against St Kilda that has been a mark ever since the game existed. And it was called play on. Uh, We had another one in uh, the game between Hawthorne and Fremantle. Um, I can't remember who the player was, but he brought the ball to a dead stop and maybe Stratton or Hawthorne defending just punched it out of his hands. But if the ball is dead stopped, it stopped. Yeah, it's about control. It is a mark. And there were a few on the <clears throat> week, on this weekend. Well, by the in contrast, though, what about the one Jack they, they did pay to Jack Siebel where he clearly double-grabbed it over the boundary we, line? I'm telling you, they're not getting the right instruction because if the ball is dead stopped, it's a mark. And if they don't look at a few of these on the weekend then they're taking their eye off the well, ball. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure the instruction is a uh, player bringing the ball under control. It's not a length of time or... No, I'm saying I don't think they've been counselled well on yeah. it. We've got young umpires and new umpires, and it's been happening all well, season. Well, Hayden Kennedy, we know you watch this show, so jump on, mate, and uh, give us come, an official come on. umpire's uh, verdict on that one. All right, final hot from me. Speaking of that North Melbourne game, this guy is a great story, and... Jeez, he was good today. Paul Lahern. 
Mm. Uh, been a long time coming. Drafted in 2014 by GWS. Two knee reconstructions. Drafted by North Melbourne. Didn't play at all last year. Um, so it's been a debut three years in the making. But he's now played eight AFL games. First game, he came into the mix finally. 29 disposals in his first game. Uh, it was when they beat Brisbane. And he has looked real at, at, at best, at worst serviceable, at best one of their best couple of players in most of the games since today. 37 disposals, 12 clearances, 5 inside 50s. 22 of those possessions were contested. He's, a good, he's good inside. He's good on the outside. He's quick. He makes good decisions. He is a massive find for them. and uh, Nice size too. Yeah, well, when we talk about North having surprised people, and I know he's coming sort of later in the year, but he's going to be a great player for them for the next few years. So they, they've absolutely backed a winner there. Yeah, I agree. And Dermie today asked the question, has, has anybody seen a more impressive first seven games of league footy? I would have thought Coleman had a pretty good first seven. Uh, yeah, and just quickly on Dermy, I'm just going to throw in a subsidiary hot, and it's to Dermot Brereton for managing to maintain his composure at halftime of the Northwest Coast game, where Alistair Lynch made one of the great verbal faux pas of commentary history, which I actually uh, have got on Twitter. I'll show you. Did yeah. you see it? No, no, I didn't hear it. Uh, well, he was talking about that they were going to focus on Scott Lysette, but he sort of got... Focus and Lysette mixed up, so he said, um, we're, I can't say it, but I think you know where I'm going with this. Anyway, I put out a tweet about it, finally, and uh, last time I looked, it had about 1,500 likes. Yeah, so. yeah good. Uh, anyway, well done, Derm. You maintained your professionalism. Well done. Uh, that, I'm pleased for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's great. Uh, I'll have to check it out. My last one is a hot or a not. You see, I think it's hot, and that is that Reese Stanley... Remains, he's played for eight, nine years now. He's actually playing decent football. He's been good in the ruck. I think he holds down that spot now exclusively. He could play 500 games of league footy, but he's not a footballer. And there's things that he does that he just, you think, mate, are you playing your first ever game? Is this under 10s? And he did something against Brisbane. Hang on, is this hot or this is not? Well, I think it's hot because I look forward to these moments of non-football Now that he doesn't play brain. for your team. No, even when he did, the non-football brain fade, yeah. where you think, have you ever played before? Um, some would say it's not. I'd you say know who he reminds me of? Kepler Bradley. Well, yeah, I mean, and and the Kepler Bradley's a good one, and also he reminds me a lot of Daniel Bandy as well. Yeah. The athletic, but something not... So The theory's better than the reality. Yeah, but he's playing well. So there was this moment against Brisbane... He was third in line for a marking contest that it wasn't touched by the two players in front. It was actually, they competed for the mark and the ball floated to the back after coming off two pairs of hands. He grabbed it and just sort of claimed the mark. And the umpire, and then he, he got pinged for holding the ball and he looked at the umpire like, why? And the umpire sort of said, he didn't say anything. He said, it's holding the ball and, and Reece Stanley, it all clicked to him. And, and I think he really thought if you catch it, it's a mark. <laughs> it was just not footy, but it, it was funny. All right. Um, a hot from Jake Burgess. Brendan Bolton finally shifting Casbolt to the VFL to allow their young forward line of McKay and Kerno to work together to build for the future. Now a more dynamic setup. We may score 100 points again soon. Of course, uh, about... Poor Levi. He only came back for one game. Mid-2016, I think, last time they scored 100 points. He was only back for one game after many weeks out. They, so. they needed that. I, I, you know, look, I know people think Essendon supporters have this sort of natural antipathy to Carlton, but I, I've always got on really well with a lot of people at Carlton and their supporters. I really genuinely felt good for them. Let's get back to Gary Watts, who says, can you bring up the nomination of Rucks as a subject? Yep. Yeah, I can. We'll deal with it very quickly, Gary. I've mm-hmm. been banging on all week and talked again on our podcast on Thursday about quicker ball-ups. Uh, that is the first thing that should be tried in order to ease congestion. If you have quicker ball-ups, nomination of Ruckman has to go. And as a matter of fact, from what I understand, nomination of Rucks will definitely go for next season. Okay. Um, yeah, it should. There was a funny... Something that just showed how silly it is. In the North Melbourne West Coast game, the ball was to be thrown up or balled up, thrown up, close to the West Coast goal and Magjack Dahl was the was there in that incident. Mm. And the umpire asked Magjack, 
are you the ruckman? Yeah, yeah, no, I remember that. And he yeah. said, no, it's Todd. And then they just waited for Todd to come. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you're the biggest man here. Are you going to yeah, do it? Yeah. What is that all about? That's ridiculous. I, I, I don't get it. He Never said, have. no, Todd, and we just have to wait till he arrives. <laughs> ridiculous, isn't it? All right, that is hot or not for this week. You know what that means, Farney? Rant. I'm sick. Of? Being sick. Okay. But it makes me angrier. So I'm in the right frame of mood. Moon, mood. Are you hangry? <sighs> Do you get hangry? Hangry. That's angry when you're hungry? Oh, yeah. But give me a Snickers and I'll turn to Robert De Niro. Okay. Um, all right, let's go. I think this is more a sarcastic one, but I'll see if I can work up a nice head of steam with it. Time now, finally, for the Rant Off! All right, you know I'm very impromptu with those things. They're not scripted. I just go right off the top of my head. So, uh, are you ready to count me in? Okay, one, two, and the number that comes after that for you. I'm pissed off with Jack Higgins, Finey. Who does this little bloke think he is putting the fun back into football? If it wasn't bad enough him telling jokes to his teammates just as they're about to take up their positions, this week he's pulled off the best magic trick the AFL's seen since Channel 7 convinced viewers that roaming Brian was cutting-edge TV. This guy's a real anachronism, I'll tell you. He talks as quick as Warwick Kappa, didn't go to one of the posh private schools, didn't even do his VCE because he just wanted to work on his footy. If this was the 1970s, fine, he'd already own a couple of pubs. And if it was the 1930s, he'd be doing a Saturday morning shift at a brewery before packing his Gladstone bag and heading off to Punt Road for the game. Check out any interview with him. He's laughing like it's a backyard kick around with his mates. Jeez, anyone would think he was getting paid a few hundred thousand dollars a year to do something he loves. And what about that goal on Saturday? Where was the determination to let it go through for a point and then the mad sprint to position for the kick in with lots of finger pointing? What's this with throwing it up, ducking behind a goalpost and the bicycle kick over the head? That's not how you're supposed to be playing once you've come off the production line of the vanilla process-driven, structure-obsessed TAC competition. I don't like it, Finey. This kid Higgins is helping shatter the carefully crafted perception that we're not just playing a game that's supposed to be fun. In fact, I blame Richmond as much as him. Bloody Tigers, they even had the gall to smile in that pre-grand final team shot out on the MCG last September, like the world might not actually end if they didn't get up. And we all know how that ended. Buggy you, Higgins. How dare you enjoy yourself? You're mucking it up for all the miserable bastards out there, like me! I just realised something. That's a really good... By the way, that's a really good rant. I really liked it. Uh, it's a reverse rant, really, I, isn't it? I, I just realised something. What? Richmond supporters... It's one... Th you know, like the doggy supporters, they won that flag, there was joy. Mm. But that's over. Richmond supporters every week get something new to... to oh, no, they're still not. <laughs> I did a match report of that game. They and, just... Uh, I, I thought, oh, geez, I'm pretty generous to the Tigers here. Now I still got smacked for not giving oh, enough credit. Yeah, it's not that, but I'm just saying that they just... <laughs> This journey of theirs after three decades of pain yeah. is glorious, isn't it? You're right, Jack Higgins is just a pleasure to watch. Oh, he's great. Along with Rioli, along yeah. with along with Jack Rewalt. He's a ripper. I, I don't know if people... Justin Martin. Do you remember that Justin. shot I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the first thing that struck me yeah. when I saw a shot of it a couple of days later was, they're all smiling. He told, he told them. Yeah. Damien yeah. Hardwick said... We're going out there to play a game of footy. The best game of footy. Yeah. Don't don't be sour-faced Fantastic. Should be more of it. All right. All right. I'm Are going to ready? take a big risk. I'm changing my rant. Oh, no. It's a huge change because I'm taking on a really big subject that I really feel passionate about. And I haven't thought about how I'm going to say it, but I'm going to have a crack in here. All right. We'll, uh, we'll just get our lawyers on the phone. Any possible litigation? No, 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 okay. No. That's good to hear. Very no. good to hear. Okay. Three, two, one. Rant. All right, I want you to really think about what I'm about to say, footy fans, and you too, Rowan. Okay. An enormous investment in time, in money, in thought, in football supporters' actual passion for the game is being spent on trying to save the game of football with these adjustments to the rules of the game in an attempt to end congestion. It's really come to a head... And the belief out there is that people are turning off. It was actually TV ratings that gave this the final push over the edge. 
to make something happen, that people are turning off because of game congestion, because of too many stoppages, because of large amounts of players following the ball around. I think we have got a very, very real case of Chicken Little and the sky is falling. And my greatest concern is that we are, unfortunately, hanging the wrong man. Let me explain. Think of games of football that you go to, especially as supporters. I'm not talking about watching as an impartial. But intense games with stoppages, with a close at quarter contest, physical, albeit not open and low scoring, well, gee, that reminds me of a lot of Sydney, St Kilda, West Coast and various teams over the last 15 years. And I'll tell you that when you're at those games, they are, they are really intense games of football to watch. They're not pretty, I understand. But they are far from the worst games of football. The worst games of football, the ones that I believe have turned people off, the ones that turn me off, are games that are made up of what you would call an incredible amount of junk time. The real bane of the modern game, I believe, is kicking the ball backwards, sideways, stopping, playing the game at arm's length. It's not the physical contest and sometimes stacks on the mill of stoppages. It's the horrible windscreen wiper of ball from one side to the other with both teams making no effort to make the game a physical contest. To me, football is at its very worst when it is plagued by uncontested marks, kicking the ball backwards, and incremental movement crab-like sideways along the ground. That's not stoppages. That is what is ruining football. Many of these games with too many stoppages are classics. Have a look at the number of stoppages in the 2005 Grand Final and some of the great finals that we've had. The narrative is being brought to you by a few. And I'm going to name a name. Not for the first time, Kevin Bartlett has tried to wield huge influence in this game. He hates congested football. He, said, he says regularly, there is no worse sight in the game. But think about how Kevin played the game free running and open, and despising of the crushers. And he has ever since then been an advocate for wide open football and galloping and gallivanting, high scoring, and the pinballing of the ball around the ground. No, I'll tell you, we are not addressing what is absolutely worst about our game, and that is the ex actually the opposite of stoppages and, mel and contested ball, and that is too much uncontested and irrelevant ball, and it's a problem. Yeah, I agree. Um, you still have a go at me for how long my rants were. Well, I'm very awesome. passionate about okay, this. Okay, but who's to blame for that? Why well, is it... Kevin Bartlett to blame for that? Oh, he's run this narrative for ages. That is part of his, we need to open the game up with the interchange. At the core of his hatred is when he looks on the ground yeah. and he sees... 30 people in the one area. But, yeah, but you might... And consecutive stoppages. Yeah, but you got you might get angry at him for, for focusing on the wrong thing, but yep. he's not responsible for the uncontested chipping around the half-back line. No, no, I'm saying, but that, that to me, is the worst part of the game. Okay, so... He doesn't hate that. All right, so what do we do about it? Are you a proponent of outlawing a mark for a kick backwards? Uh, yeah, I've, I've, there's a few things. First of all, I believe players are given way too much time to dispose of the ball when it's clear that they're wasting time or looking to chip pass it around. Yeah. This sort of five or six seconds... Yeah, so call quicker play on. Yeah, have a feel for what the player is trying to do. Yeah. Um, I believe that from a kick-in, there should be no marks inside 50 because that's often where the chipping starts. Yeah, you could do that. And, yeah, possibly... Look, it's not... It's, it's not the backward kick that is always terrible. But, you know, it can be a little kick forward, then back, and then... There needs to be... And this doesn't come up in the KPIs of too many bounces, repeat stoppages, etc., mm. etc. No, no, no. Which I, is I everything that point. they're focusing on. I think it's a good point. I think we Junk time footy is revolting. But you've got to talk about how to solve it. 
sorry. Just, yep. I know you're animated about this. Yeah, just yeah, don't am. destroy our set. I am. I think that is somewhere in between what I'm proposing, which is really simple, and it's just calling for ball ups yeah, quicker. Yeah, that's great. I and agree with that. the other extreme, which is zones and longer goal squares. I think I, I would actually be prepared to. I wouldn't freak out if they said we're getting rid of paying marks in the defensive fifty. Yeah, yeah. Um, but these are the, this is my whole point on this. I oh, know we've got to wrap it up, but, no, but it's important. But, you know, but zones are ridiculous. Can I just say how stupid this zone discussion is? Um, it's stupid if they're only going to be affected at centre bounces. They can only be affected at centre bounces. You can't have a quick ball up and everybody in a zone. It doesn't make sense. Well, they're not quickly gonna... ball it up, but there's no time to get into zones. Well, not only that, but how many centre bounces are there? What what portion does centre bounces occupy of a game? And also have five percent. Have a look at every centre bounce. There's five, six, seven. There's it's never one to yeah. fourteen. No, the more I think about it, the more I think there are better solutions Much than the better. zones. Uh, one which I didn't mind, although you, we talked about it and it was very hard to police, was no one uh, can come into the square until the ball yep. clears the square. Anyway, we'll continue this. To, I'd said on Thursday in our audio podcast we'll be talking about this a lot, and we will. Very quick one from Tony. Do the great game show. We really don't need huge changes to the rules. Just get rid of ruck nominations and throw the ball up and in more quickly. Agree? Yes. One word. Yes. Okay. That's a good way to finish. Um, I'm going back to bed with uh, a couple of Panadol and a hot lemon tea. Um, I hope everyone had a great weekend. Hope your team won. We're going to have a fascinating race for the final eight. Finey, any final words of wisdom before we throw our papers away? Thank God I'm not a couple of Panadols or a hot lemon tea. Uh, Tony says, Finey needs a stage and a theatre. He's a Shakespearean. I'll shake. Macbeth. Macbeth. Um, may your football be good football. And good night.